The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards, your host. And um, thank you, Mike Duke from Mississippi, for your um, indication of all the things that we shouldn't do but probably will. It, it was, uh, we, we certainly appreciate knowing exactly what our parameters are. And thank you, ACB, for making this program possible. We're excited about this. Um, our guest this evening is someone who I am uh, overjoyed to welcome. And he's got, he's got some wonderful news for folks. At least I think it's wonderful. Having looked at his book uh, two years ago, I am overjoyed to know that he has just released a second edition of that book, and we'll have him talk some about that. There are two other areas that uh, this individual is uh, kind of intrigued by, and they both happen to be areas um, that I'm interested in. One of those areas is accessible games, and the other of those areas is, is modern audio drama. So among those three things, and with the help of all of you guys who are out there in the audience, we should have lots to talk about over the next two hours. And it gives me great pleasure uh, to welcome to Tuesday Topics, Mr. Michael Fair. Hello, Michael. Hello. Good to be here. Well, that's excellent. So the first thing I should tell everyone is to forget the spelling that's in your Tuesday Topics announcement because it's wrong and <laughs> explains why it took me until just a couple of hours ago um, to actually find Michael and be categorically certain he would be here. So Michael's last name is spelled F-E-I-R, F-E-I-R. So um, he's... Um, He's he is an anagram of a uh, of uh, a fair stick. <laughs> so, so um, Michael, you are Canadian, I think. Yes. Yep. Have you been blind all of your life, Michael? Yeah, I was born prematurely, so mm-hmm. the oxygen did its thing, and uh, yep. I've never seen anything. Yep. Well, see, I, I, I take I take a slightly different approach. I, I, I tell folks I, I saw perfectly for about the first 10 days, but don't remember. I don't even think I had that as far as I know. Yep. Well, you, you just don't remember it. You actually had perfect vision. It was, was wonderful and um, just lost it quickly. <laughs> I have I had the same the same premature thing going on. So, yep. And um were you mainstreamed or did you go for to a school for the blind? I had a bit of both. I was at mm-hmm. the W. Ross uh, McDonald School, which is about to celebrate its 150th year uh, for the blind. It's up in Brantford, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a couple of years. And then I went to a pilot project that integrated mainstream. It, it basically mainstreamed a class of blind people. So five or six in, in the younger grades and 
another five of sort of older kids. And they basically uh, put us in a school where we got specialized training in, in blindness related things in a home room. And then you went to classes with your sighted peers. And nice. uh, that, that was a, a really good preparation for later, which I was the only blind person in basically from middle school through what we call secondary school mm-hmm. and you'd call high school and then into university. Mm-hmm. And presumably that wasn't in Brantford anymore. No, that was in Toronto and, and then Mississauga. Nice. Uh, so the sort of the GTA, as we call it, the greater Toronto area, which is a massive sprawl of cityscape and buildings yep. and cars and all that stuff. <laughs> it's exciting. And you went to university. <laughs> Excuse me, where? I was in Arendelle, what they called Arendelle campus. I believe it's now the University of uh, Toronto, Mississauga mm-hmm. campus. And uh, I, I got an English degree, a BA in English, graduated with that in 98. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that was where I kind of stopped with university. I, I just, mm-hmm. I'd had enough of essays and I did miss the conversations. You meet, I probably met, met, learned more from the people I met than from the courses I took. I think that's I think that's true for a lot of us, especially if 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 we're if we're in kind of strange spots. I was I was uh, the first blind student at the University of the West Indies way back in in 1964, so a long time ago. Um, and um, after university, you you started getting involved in things like accessible games, or was that, that did you start that, doing that before? That was during because, of course, unlike a lot of other sighted people, I couldn't get a summer job mm-hmm. to get experience. And there were these long stretches of four months between your university years. And I basically thought, okay, what am I going to do? And I'd recently come across a magazine called Zizzy News. Zizzy is a special magic word in Colossal Cave, uh, the earliest mm-hmm. adventure game, uh, interactive fiction, it's called these days. Mm-hmm. And I was really blown away by this wonderful magazine that interviewed the game developers who wrote the games and had articles about the state of interactive fiction. It was so nice and highbrow. I thought I could, I could maybe start something to cover accessible games. And I, I did that uh, in, in July of 96. And uh, it carried on until about 2004. I, guess I did about 40 issues before I passed the torch on and kind of burnt out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was, uh, you know, that was a really interesting hobby. It was uh, in 14 countries and that, I, that we know of. And uh, it just spread like wildfire because I was the only person covering, mm-hmm. having something like this, covering accessible games. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was... Uh, the name of the magazine was... Odyssey. I thought I was so yep. clever. It was A-U-D-Y-S-S-E-Y because I figured... You had to hear the games to play them, which didn't exactly endear me mm-hmm. to the deafblind community, but they, they seem to have forgiven me, uh, my, my uh, thoughtlessness. But uh, <laughs> yes, but that, that, was, uh, that was what I called it. And, and I also thought it, it fits nicely into my thinking that games are really journeys of the mind. We, you know, we enter their, their space and we leave it with, with discoveries about ourselves, about the world, about philosophy, about new thinking. And uh, I've, I've always found them very helpful in that regard. One of, the, one of my early introductions to games um, were, 
were the series of Eamon games that used to be available for Apple IIEs. Ah, yes, I had those. <laughs> and, and my son and I actually wrote a couple together, um, yeah. which, which was sort of fun. Um, but um, I, I, I loved Eamon. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty ordinary as compared with some of the stuff that's been available since. Um, but, but I loved them. And of course, fell in love later with, with um, what, what I guess they're calling text adventure games now or something like that. Yeah, what are they calling them now? The, the yeah. current title, I guess, interactive, would be interactive fiction. fiction. Yes. Yep. But I, I think of them as text adventures, and that was uh, especially later when I got the Eureka A4, which was an Australian computer with a Braille keyboard and no screen uh, that ran on CPM. That one, that was when I discovered Infocom and the Zork games, and yes. uh, all of those, and and that was uh, that was amazing. I, I was trusted by a, a fellow working at the uh, CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, uh, they have a tech division and he was working there and he actually gave me access to a BBS. And oh, nice. I, I was able to go on and actually look around it. He wanted me to find some games and interesting programs in its CPM library. Cause that's what this computer had. It was a CPM based machine. So I went in and I, I did that. I, I came out with quite a haul and huh? sent that to Australia. And that was the first time I was actually sort of mentioned online in a magazine like that was with this Archimedes newsletter. Huh? And uh, they sent the games around to everyone. And I, I sort of got my first dose of, oh, wow, I can be, I can be known for something. So huh? <laughs> that was one of the seeds that eventually led to Odyssey. Do you think that... Um, do, you, do you think that... Uh, accessible games um, developed as much as they should? And if you don't, do do you have thoughts as to why that may be? Well, it depends on the platform. Uh, Mm -hmm. You saw, especially on, uh, I think that we could have gotten farther faster with with real good funding. I mean, you don't forget a lot of the people who are working on accessible games, first of all, some of them are accessible by accident. Like all the interactive fiction, most of the developers had no clue that they right. were blind players playing those games. So surely that could have, with, with actual awareness, that could have uh, gone better. Uh, another area is with other technology. You saw with Windows, the advent of Windows really made audio games take off. And we got versions of Pac-Man and Pinball and Space Invaders and a lot of that. But again, they're, they're one or two person teams doing most of these. And the, 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 you know, the money is always tight. The, you know, there's, it's, they're dealing with a host of challenges that the sighted gaming world wouldn't have. So there's probably more room there that we could have seen again mm-hmm. sooner, but I think windows really got, yeah, a, we had a golden age there uh, for a while and we really saw some interesting developments. Uh, yes, things could have gone further, uh, but unfortunately the, just the economics weren't there to, Right. To make anyone rich making games for blind people. Uh, you know, iPhone, that was different again. We have areas of excellence. We've seen some incredible things. Uh, Papa Sangre, uh, the company, uh, some, something else, uh, yep. did some amazing titles and probably the best audio games. And they had money to put into this. They, yep. they reached for the moon. They had actors. Uh, they Benedict, Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yep. Uh, uh, Sean Bean, uh, yep. just amazing. I doubt we'll see anything like that again in a long time because they they really bit off 
unfortunately, economically more than they could chew. And that, you know, the games were made for everyone, but we were included right from the start. They thought of blind people right from the, the word uh-huh. go. And unfortunately, what happened is there just it wasn't enough interest in the sighted world to make it economically viable at the time in the right. App Store to keep those games worth updating. Because Apple, it's not just paying to keep the item in the store. You have to do that. Then you have to pay 30% off the, the sale. Uh, and that's just how it was. And and there was no, you know, you weren't paid for the updates. You were just paid for any new sales. So you, your profits dwindle as a game lasts longer. And you, you just run out of steam. And that's what happened to these these poor people who did such amazing work. Uh, their games just were, they had to pull them away from the app store. So that, that I wonder if they'd fare better now with, with more economic choices right. how, as to how they're offered. Right. I'd love the to sad, see... Yeah, the sad thing for me is, so that, they, is that they simply went away so that those yeah. of us who had bought them, and, and, and there, were, there were a pretty fair number of us. I mean, I had, I think I had four of their games. Um, I, I think I had all of them, as far as I yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, and but but the, uh, I mean, they simply disappeared. They're gone. You can't. The, yeah. the, you know, your your investment it's, is up in smoke. Yeah, and, and if and, you didn't, if you didn't do it then, if you didn't conquer them, which like me, I wish, especially Papa Sangra too. I would have loved to seen the rest of that game. Especially. Right. Me too. I'll, I'll never forget that house with the cat and you're following the cat out of this yep. burning basement. Wow. Yep. <laughs> you know? Um, any, any of you guys who can, uh, if you, I, I don't know where you'd get them now, but if you can ever, if you can ever find an opportunity to, um, to, to, to play some of the uh, anything else games, uh, you should really do it. One of the, one of the the amazing things about them is that they're really they really perfected um using sound to guide you i think um that there and were some games under windows that that did okay but these guys did great especially with you could hold your iphone and turn in place as yes. you're tapping the left and right bottom to walk like they thought yep. through everything it was it was yep. remarkable and and there have been some kind of attempts to use some of those lessons but Really, nothing like this. Maybe this Into the Dragon Cave, which is due out on May fifteenth, uh, might be another hurrah at that. I kind of expect something like a Blind Legend, but maybe, uh, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I'd love to see someone try something new yeah. in the space because it is yeah. a space that that really like. I can imagine p- better pinball games. We have a Blindfold uh, Games did a wonderful example of pinball, and you get the basics with that. But there's so much more that a modern pinball table brings that sighted people have that i think could be made into sound uh side scroller uh something mm-hmm. like that where you'd run and you jump and it's all done in stereo left to right again something that could be easily translated into sound mm-hmm. and done if, if by someone who knew their their stuff in terms of game development uh, a lot of opportunity there that just isn't tapped yet that i think really could be board and card games uh, we're seeing some expansion there but again, that there's, mm-hmm. there's room there for depth. That like we have a lot of proof of concepts. We have a lot of example one-offs. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to see real depth happen. Yeah, I, I, I think I think all of us would. And and you know, I think accessible games are kind of divided into into two groups. One is is volunteer stuff, which is for the most part very old, if not if not archaic and gone, um, because even some of the 
some of the stuff that got ported over to the iPhone has now disappeared. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, and and then the other um, the other component that's out there um, are are games that that are really intended for sighted people and by mistake almost are are accessible. Yes, um, and we do have some happening in between. <laughs> we have small companies that are trying to make a go of of audio games for us. Uh, as blind people, particularly, and then also, you know, for you know, th- they will make a game for sighted people, and then be aware of blind potential players. Uh, Six Ages Ride Like the Wind is a case in point. Uh, that's one of my favorite examples of something where voiceover was really used to maximum benefit, and the, the hint system is used. You have described uh, the scenes, the art in the game. There's a lot of hand painted art in that game. And those scenes are described for voiceover users. Sighted people don't get to see that text. It's just for us. And and that's a lot of different scenes. How cool is that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And the hint system is used to pass on information. So you don't have to go looking for as much. Mm-hmm. The, the maps, they found a way to simplify exploration. So you're not wrestling with a map that it's hard to make sense of. Mm-hmm. They took such pains to welcome and, us as blind people I, into that space. And, and I don't know that game. So definitely grab and, it. And and the sequel is 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 fast approaching apparently. It's, mm-hmm. it's a series of games you'll be able to take a clan of horse riders through this fantasy world and you're making decisions behind the scenes for this clan and and sort of getting to know its characters, its its main char- as they grow and age mm-hmm. and develop as the, you know depending on what you decide to do or die if you're not careful. <laughs> um, and you, it's, it's a really, uh, you know, that game is, is, is just, I've never even come close to winning, but boy, I've had a lot of fun with it. And the name of that game is? Six, six Ages, Ride Like the Wind. That's, that's the first part of a, a planned six-game series that it was, takes you forward through different ages of, of this world's history. Glorantha is a, a role-playing game world that's been developed since the 60s and uh it has a lot of of uh, following in the cited uh role-playing game uh space so it it is a very revered uh role-playing world that has been used to build this fantasy game and is the six spelled s-i-x or six it's it's s-i-x yep the word six ages yep nice and and it's in the app store Yes, it's a single-player game, but it simulates the other pl- uh, clans that you're playing, you're competing with, and trying to manipulate. And How cool is that? And it's all done on your iPhone. It's <laughs> it's a very very neat neat involved game that never goes the same way twice. Oh, that is so cool! I shall I shall grab it after we finish here. <laughs> so, have have you actually been been out in the world of work, or have you have you primarily done your own stuff? I've had about six months of employment. There was an internet startup company that mm-hmm. wanted, was interested in my magazine, of all things, and wanted me to sort of u- tap into that audience. Right. And, uh, and they hired me. I was, I was hired for about f- maybe five months there before the dot-com crash uh, the, uh, in basically killed it off. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And, and killed off the company. Uh, that was back in the, in the basically 2000, early 2000s. And uh, wiped this out. And before we could even launch the site, we were getting ready. We were getting articles written, and no one ever read them. 
uh, you know, they were, it was killed before we could launch and all of us were just sent back home. And, and a lot of these people were home to Europe after plunking down change moving over here. So it was a bit of a disaster for, for a lot of us. I was kind of, it took uh, some wrangling to get me back on social assistance here. Yep. And that's kind of where I've been ever since. I've had a couple of brief uh, two-week stints at one place. I, was, I went through a, a, a trial, a job mentorship thing that didn't quite pan out uh, for another couple of months, a few months or so. But it was, it's been very brief. I've spent most of my time you know, failing to find anything new and then just making my own work. I finally decided, look, if I can't you know, find a way to earn a living, I'm going to you know, contribute something to society and live well doing that. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I, I decided, I, you know, rather than bang my head against a wall that isn't letting me through, I will, you know, start doing my own thing. And I've tried various things, yeah. uh, inclu- including the first personal power guide mm-hmm. and uh, then branching on the, after the magazine, after I burned out there, of course, I tried to make an actual game and found how hard that was. Right. <laughs> now you had so, actually started doing that before before Odyssey went away, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I was dabbling in it, but I, I yep. really started pursuing it seriously after because Odyssey put me in contact with uh, game developers, and I got to to get a bit of an inside view into you know what was what went into doing what they did, and one of them had an engine that he was making available to uh, for prospective people to try and make uh, games. The GMA game engine, and I, mm-hmm. I gave it a good try, but I, I just don't have the head for real programming, as I discovered. Uh, it is so. not easy. It, it no. is not easy. I mean, I, yeah. I used to, I used to run into trouble even doing simple stuff with human. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's surprisingly easy to screw things up. It is. Yeah, it, it's I, pretty amazing. So, so Larry, I, th- uh, and and. Um, uh, Larry and Rick, I think we're going to open it up for a few questions on accessible games because we've talked about them for a while. And folks may have some questions or some comments that they'd like to make to us on that. And then we're going to go on to some other stuff. So I'll give folks an opportunity to raise their hands. I think most of our folks know how. Um, but um, do, Rick, do you, either you or Larry have some questions? I don't, but Ralph does. Oh, Mr. Smitherman. All right, can you hear me? Yes. We can, sir. Very good. Uh, interesting information, Mike. I have a question. Where, yeah. where would you find a list of accessible games? Since there seem to be so many various uh, groups out there, is there a compiled list of accessible games, or do you just... Yeah. There are a number of sites you can go to find lists relevant to various things. So, for example, um, if if you go to applevis.com for iPhone stuff, uh, you can find uh, they have a a directory of games that people have looked at and written reviews of. uh, And and, uh, that's for iOS, iPadOS, uh, WatchOS, and uh, I believe Apple TV as well. And so they each have game sections. The iOS one is by far the biggest. It, it is 100, 100 plus easily. Um, and uh, so that's where you go if you're uh, on the iPhone. If you want games for computers and consoles, that, that sort of thing, I recommend audiogames.net. 
that is is a place that is is really the the other big grand central for gaming information. Uh, the, the people who run that site have done it for years, basically ever since a little before Odyssey collapsed. Um, huh? They were, and actually before I gave it away, so quite a few years before, because I gave it to another gentleman who kept it going for a while. Um, and uh, so that site is up there, uh, still basically being updated and uh, has, has quite a lot to offer. Uh, forum for game discussion and, uh, and a big game database of, of uh, basically reviews, kind of similar to what uh, Applevis has for uh, uh, the, the various Apple uh, products. So th- those two are your best two sites to, uh, to start with. Okay. Now, when you get past that, there, it's a bit harder because now we're getting into territory where it's not so much regular accessible games. There is uh, seven, uh, 64OunceGames.com. Uh, they make board games. They make kind of accessibility kits to make modern board games accessible. Uh, that's another... They, they use things like 3D printing and other technology to make what's needed to make those games playable by blind people. Great so, spot to look for Christmas presents. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I will. I am planning to get at least one of their games at some point. I haven't decided mm-hmm. which one yet, but uh, I will do that. Um, and past that, then you get into sort of role-playing games. And that is, there are a lot of places that do take special effort to make their games accessible. Not everyone does. Uh, the people are kind of, awareness is growing in this space. Um, but for example, Chaosium, uh, they, they own uh, some of the big uh, Call of Cthulhu and some other uh, RuneQuest, among other titles, and they yep. make their PDFs very accessible. Um, and uh, Monty Cook Games... Um, whoops. Go ahead. Uh, Monty Cook Games is another one. They they make their PDFs very accessible as well. Yep. So, and Chaosium uh, is C-H-A-O-S-I-U-M, yes? I think so, yes. I think it's yeah. just the one S. Yes. Uh, and Monty Cook Games, I'm not, I, it might be K-O-O, I can't quite remember the, which, oh, M, uh, C, it is a C, because MCG store. So, yes, Monty Cook Games, you might have to Google these to get to the right place, but definitely worth checking what they have to offer out. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons, there's some work being done there, uh, the dndbeyond.com, there's a website and there is an app. Um, that you can get, and you can actually buy the Dungeons and Dragons books for that app, and then read them. Uh, you know, and that—that's another uh, huge area. Of, right. And um, some material. some of those Dungeons and Dragons books are now available on Bard as well, ah. uh, which which is which is interesting. You wouldn't have seen them up in Canada, but there are now three or four that are up there. Oh, um, well, that's a small fraction of what ought to be, but yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> it is. Players, but yeah, that, that, it is. Um, but uh, it is. Yeah. Um, so, Mr. Ralph is into word games. Do you have any suggestions for him with regard to word games? Okay. So, well, um, nowadays I'm more, much more familiar with iPhone uh, than other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven little words is it's very popular it's been around for a long time and they've just updated again today as it happens that is a wonderful word game and they've gone to great lengths to make it accessible uh nice. clever clever clues that's another one um apparently it's possible to do wordle uh, i haven't done that yet on the iphone but uh, apparently it, it can be done 
Um, I haven't been able to make it work. So somebody, somebody really needs to, to write us and tell us how to do it if it, yeah. if it is possible. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll happen. It, uh, yep. it's, Sarah's done it on the computer, my wife. Nice. Uh, nice. She certainly has enjoyed that. Uh, I've been so busy finishing off the guide until quite recently. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been playing as many games as, uh, mm-hmm. as I, I'd like to. But, uh, and of course... Well, there's also another place to really look for word games too is on the smart speakers, right? Because Alexa yep. has a lot of games, and uh, the, actually, the new games coming out from Wanderword uh, recently. They did Bard's Tale. They brought that franchise to audio. Really that, interesting. That's a, that's a blast from my past. Uh, that was I, I remember my brother got that game for the, our old Apple IIe when he was like mm-hmm. ten or something. Yep. So. And then later this summer, I, I hear tell they're going to release a Pathfinder game in audio. They partnered with Paizo, the makers of Pathfinder role-playing game. It's kind of a darker Dungeons & Dragons. It really yep. uh, bends towards the gothic and horrifying. Uh, so that, that should be very interesting to see what they do with that. Ralph, on, on, on the... Um on the A Lady, there is a, a a new game which has just launched called Puzzle of the Day, um, which involves five clues. Unfortunately, it I think it costs about a buck a month, um, but it's 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 well worth it, and uh, it's it's a sort of a fun game because it's actually more than five clues. That the, the five clues lead you to a theme, and then if you get all those things right, you get some some bonus things you get to play at. So you might try that as well. Another neat one I just discovered uh, is on Netflix of all places. And it's a trivia game called Trivia Quest, and you really? can watch an episode of the show, and then you can flick at least on the phone. I don't know how well this would work on the computer. Uh, you can flick to the answer of the trivia question and double tap. So you can read the. Qu- they don't. They don't announce the question, so you have to flick over to read it, and then uh-huh. you can flick to the, your choices and double tap on the answer. And the episode will turn out differently depending on how well you do. It's very, very kind of well done. And, and, the, and everything's audio described. So it's a very neat, you sort of hear that in the background as you're flicking over reading the questions. It's, uh, how cool is that? I, I will have different. to try that as well. Yeah. Mr. Ralph, you probably found out more than you wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Mr. Rick, do we have any other hands? No, sir. All right. So that surprises me. I thought people would, would find this game stuff fascinating. I suppose. Oh, wait a suppose, minute. We do. We do. Ah, Jason. 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 Hey, Jason. You there, Jason? Jason. I don't know if you've got your golden fleece with you. Hey, can you hear me now? <laughs> yep, we can. Yep. Do you have your fleece with you, Jason? <laughs> okay. I was going to say um, a good you know, talking about Wordle. You can yep. play that on Amazon Echo. I play that with my Echo Show. Oh, I didn't know you could play it on Echo. Uh, that's yes. interesting. What what is what is the what is the command to start it? It's ask her to play it, Wordle. Well, how hmm. cool is that? Wow. Did I know that? Absolutely not. Cool. Thank you, Jason. I didn't know yeah. That either. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it, well, I was wondering, is there um, a game that you can play, like like maybe Scrabble? Is that? Uh, I I know it's being worked on right now. Actually, there is one developer working on it, and I don't know how far, how far along they are. They haven't asked for testers that I've seen yet. So that that's a, a future possibility. I think that 
that we're we're likely to uh, to see at some point. I'm sure they'll announce. Right. So I'll keep I'll keep an ear out for that one, especially. Jason, I think out? you can still I think you can still buy the the Braille Scrabble sets from. Uh, oh, yeah, from I have some one. places. Um, I have, yeah. Hangman, there there used to be a whole bunch. I don't know if oh, there yeah. still are. But there's still accessible Hangman on the iPhone. I, and yep. I, I think certainly I, I would imagine the Spoonbill stuff would still work on the computer. Uh, Spoonbill right. software did a lot of word and card games uh, for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a retired engineer who got interested in it. Maybe he's still around writing things. I haven't looked in a long time. How about math baseball? Math basics? That, no, I, no, no, I, no, uh, no, math, no math baseball. Oh, uh, no, not that I know of. The last big baseball thing I remember hearing about was that World Series baseball by Harry Hollingsworth. There, I knew that yeah. it would come to me. And PCS Games kind of did a version of that with sound. And after that, it things seem to uh, it seems to have fizzled out. I, I've lost track of what became of no, that whole and enterprise. There were there were a few handheld games that were actually pretty accessible. Um, I used to have fun with a, with a couple of of the handheld baseball games, as well as uh, as well as a real cool audio tennis game, uh, which was great fun. Um, mm. Thinking of that, thinking of that, do any of the Wii games have audio? Good audio. Wii? I heard. I heard that uh, some people could do the Wii Tennis uh, yep. and, and a few of the other ones. Uh, some of it, like the bowling, a few, a few of the uh, more simple Wii yeah. games. But more complex stuff like Zelda, like nothing was really made overly right. accessible in, in that realm. So you'd be, you'd be looking at simple fitness-based, movement-based games rather than the more complex adventure kind of stuff. So have you... Have you um Michael um, played with any of the consoles, and 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 if so, what kind of results have you had? I, I'm kind of old school about that. I haven't really gotten to the console because my thinking is there are too few games that are made accessible to be worth plunking down mm-hmm. five hundred bucks right. to get a console. Like, and then you'd only be getting it for a few games. If if there were like fifty or sixty games that I knew were really playable, not just semi-accessible but i mean fully i am aware of everything the sighted person playing is aware of kind of accessible then i would be interested but it takes that level of of excellence in terms of accessibility to get me to the point where i'm willing to spend that kind of extra money on something like a console so that's that's kind of a chicken and egg problem that that it's really it's really interesting because it's almost generational. It seems as though an awful lot of younger gamers are into consoles. Yes. Yep. There's a big push in that, in that space, which I'm glad for, you know, yep. some of the, some of the lessons learned making some of those massive titles accessible are going to spread. You know, we, mm-hmm. like our, the iPhone is powerful enough to be a console. Mm-hmm. So some of that could find its way onto our iOS screens over time. So yeah. I'm I'm very oh, I think that's right. I'm yep. listening to what happens in that space because it could have repercussions elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Jason, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Yep, Mr. Rick. Anybody else? Yeah, Pam Coffee, please. Miss Pam. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I'm not much of a gamer. I don't have enough hours in the day. Oh my! Oh, you've yeah. got to you got to make them. Someone uh, send her a, yeah, a right. bottle of time. Uh, that's but right. my 
But forget the, forget the coffee, send Pam some time. Yeah. <laughs> Back more years ago than I would like to admit, mm-hmm. there was a board game that a bunch of us used to have loads of fun with. It was cute as it could be. It was a real hoop. And once it once the thing was all put together, it was kind of a uh, oh, I, I can't know the word I'm trying to think of is not coming, but just very clever. And it was called Mousetrap. Ah. And I don't know it. You don't I know th- it. I have uh, a vague recollection of, of feeling that as a kid. And you, you had to assemble this trap and you'd, you'd then try to get the cheese out of the, out of the thing. I think that was, unless I'm thinking of a totally different Actually, one. No, this one, um, you you had a, there was a dice, as I recall, and you, there were steps that you had to do to create this um, mousetrap. This mousetrap. Yep. And when you finally got it all together, now I can tell you the reverse better than I can the uh, creation, <laughs> but what you, the very last step, was turn the crank and when you turn the crank it um there was a boot what looked like a boot that kicked a ball that was up on a real high platform the ball rolled down this ramp into a bathtub that um ultimately sent it elsewhere and i know i am leaving out some steps i mean it was just a, a, an amazing game and then the very last thing that happened was the mouse trap came down and it trapped the poor mouse <laughs> wow so it's kind of a rube goldberg kind of thing yeah it was a, yeah. that that's the word i was trying to think of it was a rube goldberg type game well, that, it was that's just, intriguing pam that's yeah. not a game that's not a game i remember now, now oh, i wow. do remember and i suspect that michael does too and maybe you do too pam the game center that was made by telesensory way back when god was little <laughs> i actually never i was to feel not that. familiar yep. with that I'd heard yeah. a bit about it, but I never got to actually examine one of them. Oh, they it was fun. And everything. Oh. Yeah, it was it was too expensive for for us guys who were just coming up in the world, but but it was oh, really I'm cool. Sure. Yeah. And um and but of I, course, you, you know, there are things like audible darts now, which I covet a little bit. And I, I may end up actually buying a set of those. Oh, um, yeah. Because I think they'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this mousetrap, it'd be neat if they could come up with you were talking about 3D printing and and if they could make the board accessible so that when you and i'm not sure how the dice worked in i mean i haven't played the game in about 60 years oh wow yeah but (laughs) but, well we'll have to do some exploration um we will see what we can find out and that's the kind of thing like the, I'm old enough you, to be a grandma, but I'd love to play that again. It was just so much fun. <laughs> you might want to actually talk to the folks at 64OunceGames.com because they might actually right. be able to, to make that happen. Uh, they, oh. they are always interested. If there's enough interest in the proposal, uh, mm-hmm. they, they're pretty keen on doing that. So you might want to suggest that. I, I wanted one of these big Lovecraft board games. Uh, unfortunately, it's expensive to do, and there aren't enough people that want it to 
to sort of make it a reality. But uh, you know, it, it, these proposals they do they do consider them and they keep track of them, and you never know when they're gonna. I- I didn't know they were something like I that. didn't know they were looking for support for Cthulhu games. I would have written in. Yeah, I, w- I would have <laughs> loved to play that. that. It sounds like a couple of those games sound really intriguing. Yeah, Miss Pam, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I heard Albert. Uh, yeah, is that Albert, Mister Rick? Yes, Albert. Just- you can unmute yourself. This has been fun, Michael. Yes, it certainly has. Yeah. Mr. Albert? Mr. Albert. I don't know if you said a relative of the Einstein goes, guys. Am, am I audible now? You yes. are, Albert. Go for okay, it. Very good. I, I remember playing with a speak and spell. Oh, I remember those. Yep. Yep. Um, they. I think they had a hangman game on there, too, didn't they, Albert? I think so. Yeah. I remember uh, when you, when you completed a word that it knew it was very good. Yes. <laughs> yep. That speaking spell was fun. The, again, a little expensive for us who were who were, who were trying to survive. Uh, you know, going to work every day. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. well, I think that, they're four ninety five. You could argue for that though. That's indication. You should get me that so I can spell, Mom. Yeah. You could you could press a case for that one. You, oh, I think you could. And there are there are a bunch of, of clients of Division no. of Blind Services folks down here who got them. Mm. Um, I, I I never did because I was already working at the time and they mm. they 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 also had discovered that I was a better speller than most of them. So the <laughs> heck with you, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> It was also, uh, I, I remember one that was bowling. It had a, a plastic uh, bowling pin with uh, 10 dice inside of it. Uh, you took the top off the pin and dumped out the dice, and o- only one of the six surfaces on, on the dice had a bowling pin on it. So, and, and, and you could feel that it, it was just sort of tactile, not, not braille. But just you know, how cool you, is that? It so, sounds yeah. like you you yeah. couldn't you wouldn't often get high scores though. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, the yeah, odds would I, kind of be against you there. But yeah, yeah but so. that's fun, Albert. I I, I yeah. never saw that one either. No, it's amazing either. the number of games that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yep, excellent. Yeah. Uh, do you play any games now, Albert? No, no, uh, not as she said. Not enough hours in the day. Oh, wow. oh I think there are. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, everybody you, should make some hours for games. Oh yeah, you, you gain, you gain. It it helps the mind oh. stay rejuvenated and young. If you find something you can really oh, yeah. get into, like uh, even oh, something uh, casual, you know, like Dice World on the yeah. iPhone. I, a lot of blind sure. people like that game. They do. It's a, mm. it's a good beginner I, I game. Uno. Uh, yeah. Uno's fine. Uh, yeah. And uh, very long ago, I had a Scrabble set. Yep. Now, my uh, oldest sister, uh, who now lives in a senior center up in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, she has that yeah. with her. And, and the people up there love it because you can turn it, you know, there's oh, yes. lazy Susan yeah. thing. And, and, and the tiles fit in. You don't, you don't bump the tiles when you touch them with your finger. Yep. Mm-hmm. They love I, it. I used to have that and a, and a Monopoly that uh, of, of similar age I've seen uh, as a kid. Yeah. 
And uh, uh, yeah, there's there's yeah, a lot of of those, and unfortunately, that I don't I don't think they're they're not making. I don't think they're making them anymore. I'm not sure about that. Hopefully, they'll they'll get computerized versions soon. Uh, they, they there were some attempts on the PC. There uh, there were some. There are some pretty good some pretty good monopoly things um, that are out there. Um, what is the what the both of the both of the online gaming companies that are out there have versions of Monopoly, and they both work. Um, um, trying to think what they're called now. Um, oh, the RS a, Games and yeah, uh, RS Games, yeah. and then the one from Quinton's Playroom. Playroom. Yep. Yeah. Both of them yeah. have have Monopoly games, and they they work well. I think Quinton has developed some better games. Um, they have done a really good job of developing. A range of 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 um, card games that are great fun, um, and 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 if you if if you guys haven't tried Quentin's uh, Playroom, I would urge I would urge you to get it. RS Games uh, is available for the iPhone, but it's it's pretty pricey by the time by the time if you if you want it all. And I don't love the interface, but I I think if you want to get all of the RS Games, it's like um, thirty nine ninety five or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Um, well, that's but, that's kind but of there. About on, that's about on par with some of the. Uh, I'm thinking of the choice of games, for example. Right. Uh, those are that's a collection of two zero adventure style games with stats as well. Right. And you basically make decisions as the main character. Those those are really I recommend those for people who use braille displays because that right. that would be a really good good encourager of of learning to read braille. I think. And of course, one of the exciting things that's available, um, and, and I guess they're still a, they still work on the on the Braille Note Touch, is um, on on the early Humanware devices. Um, they they had uh, built-in software to, to to do all of the text adventure games, and you could essentially um, go up on the internet and download any of the gazillion that are up there, um, and and play them directly on the Braille display. On the iPhone, a similar app is called Frotz, F-R-O-T-Z. Yeah. And you can use that to get all the, the free interactive fiction. If you have copies of the Infocom data files for their games, you can run them on there as well. But I haven't found a legal way of getting those yet. Like Other than the Zork series, you, get, right. you can uh, get those for free. But Infocom did something like 30 games. They did. And I have a, a disc called The Masterpieces of Infocom. It's a CD-ROM. And it has all the all the games on it, so of course I have them for me, but I'm not allowed to share them. So it it, it it's uh, hopefully people can find uh, way, ways to obtain those because some of those games, uh, a lot of them need uh, you, you'd need to find uh, anti piracy protection to actually play, but some of them you won't. Like you could actually play through if you knew what you were doing. And they, they are spectacularly good, some of them. They are. And, and, and at one point, and it was maybe 10 years after Windows came out, there was a very short period um, where they actually made unpirated versions available for very, for very little money. Um, but it was a very, a very limited window, and it, and it went away pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I missed it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But yeah. but I, I I love the Infocom games. Uh, anybody who hasn't tried them should really look it's, around for them. They are certainly the most clever. 
of, yeah, of, yeah. of all of all of the the, the sort of text adventure mm-hmm. games that are out there, and they are absolutely fully accessible to us. Yep, there, there might be a few things that depend on you knowing about colors or little things yep. like that, uh, but for the most part, it, yeah, it's completely blind accessible. Yep, and uh, they didn't know when they made them that that was oh, the they case. Did not. They, they did no not. They did not. But, uh, and of but and of course, that's... the interesting thing is that the adventure games actually were were some of the very first things that 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 went online because they were actually there when when uh, the internet was nothing more than a military outfit. Yep, they actually were part of the, that initial wave of they were inspired yep. by the very first one, Colossal Cave, and they yep. uh, grew grew the Zork Empire out of that and just right. continued with. And, and I think and, the second was Adventure was the second one that came out. Well, yeah. th- that was that was Colossal Cave. Yeah, it was okay. also known as Adventure. And then there were versions of that. It was Don Woods yes. and uh, Willie Crowther did uh, that sort of gave it to other people to develop even farther. And, uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Nice. All right. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Rick, any more hands? Yes, we have Larry. Larry. Nice. Hey, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, I hey. love, I love what you're talking about. Uh, I have uh, two audio, audible games that I love to play, which I'll tell you about. And then I have a question about a couple of games that I remember from way back that used to be available on the computer, but I lost them. The first yeah, okay. one I have, the first one I have here, I'm wondering if you've seen this. It's called Scramble. And ah, yes, I've seen the demo. Yeah, it has five balls, and uh, and then it speaks a phrase, but it it jumbles the phrase, and you have to and you have to reposition the balls to get the phrase in the right sequence, and it's oh. really really kind of interesting. So it goes like this. Let's see if I can do it. Ready to unscramble famous phrases? Yes. Okay. Player one. Player. Two. Okay. Player one. Are you ready? Yes. Bar. A Klondike. You do. What would? So, so, so now I got to try to figure out how to put those in the right sequence. So we we, we couldn't hear them well enough to get the words, Larry. So. Uh, well, that's okay. Well, but anyway, so the idea is it'll say like uh, a popular title of a song or a or a popular phrase or something like that. But it'll scramble them, and then you have to re uh, rearrange the five balls so that you get the phrase in the right position. And ah. it gives you it gives you like a twenty second time limit to do it. And hmm. it's, really, it's a lot of fun. It's, so that that. Is that a handheld game you've got? Is that uh... yes, yes. Ah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I've had it for about twenty years, and it's still How cool. Is that oh, wow. really well? Wow. And and it's still working. That's the amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. The, yep. the the other audible game which I enjoy, and probably you know this one, Paul. It's uh, talking football. And yes. It, it, she she still tried to talk. So shut up. <laughs> but the. Yeah, the talking football, and, and actually, I remember an earlier talking football where you had discs, and you put these discs into a player, and according to how you put the disc in, it would determine how the play evolved. 
And so you had an, an announcer yeah. that would uh, say, you know, and, and a left tackle, and he's dropped for a loss of two yards. So, so the offense gets to put the record in, and then the defense oh. gets to flip it. So he gets a, what he thinks will be the good defense. It was a really great game. My that son and I sounds pretty clever to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's excellent. That, yeah, the, that's the uh, question I want to ask, Mike. Uh-huh. Is, uh-huh. Do you remember? Way back when there was a a really fun, accessible golf game. Yes, hmm. there and was. Is it, a, is it still that, around? That would be Jim Kitchen, I think. It would. And his titles. There was a collection that they, that it should still work on Windows. I, I'm pretty sure it would work on Windows 10. I'm not. I don't know about 11, but you you could get lucky there. I don't know that they're available for the iPhone. I haven't seen anyone. I'm thinking they might be. It would be great. It would Jim Kitchen's games. I think the collection was uh, like Kitchen's Inc. games or something like that. Uh Um, Because someone did that after his death, he passed away. I that was when I kicked myself for not interviewing him soon. I was I had some thought of making a accessible games history book, and I never really did Mm -hmm. that. By the time I really wanted to, most a lot of the developers had. uh, passed away the older ones uh it was kind of unfortunate uh but uh but he was he was a nice guy and he just did all his games gave them out for free and uh yeah really interesting fellow I actually got got to speak hmm? with them on a, on a few occasions would that likely be on audiogames.net yes yeah I, I believe yes. so yeah i know it's in the forums people did discuss it widely when this happened and okay. uh, it, it probably is also in the database. Their game database would probably have an entry about that, about the collection. Right. There's one other game, and I don't know what it was called, but it was really great. It, you, you had uh, two speakers, and, uh, and, and you shot, uh, uh, I guess there were rockets at each other. And, uh, and, and if you missed, it would land in the ocean, and so you'd hear a splash. I, and if you if you hit the island, then then you would get an explosion. And you took yeah. turns, and you gauged, you know, the the distance and the speed and all of and this. With, yeah, with that your was a, keystrokes. Do you remember that one? That was a, I believe that was an early ESP Softworks uh, title. It was. Uh, he James North was a, a really interesting guy. Developed a lot of the really brilliant audio games. He did uh-huh. ESP Pinball, the original one. Uh-huh. And he spay aliens in the outback. He did a lot of that, and uh, that was a freebie. That was when he gave away. Right, and you you could just uh, download it, and I I can't remember the name of it now. But yeah, that was I remember messing around with that. I'm trying for, to remember if it uh, it might have been called Torpedo. I think uh, it was artillery, though. It was like uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, were like, maybe maybe it was artillery. Maybe it was. Uh, yeah, I just can't can't remember what he called it. But yeah, that was a fun little thing. <laughs> So are, are the, is that kind of a game still available, and would it work on Windows? Because I know, well, you know it was a DOS-based game. That uh, well, the one I'm thinking of was Windows that he did. Yep. Uh, oh. and so, so the, but it was old Windows. That would be for like Windows ME at the latest, uh, right? So it probably would still work uh, okay. on the iPhone. There's a game called Tank Battle, which is is a bit similar to that. You can sort of angle your phone and try to tilt it in such a way to get the angle. That you uh-huh. want to, to then fire your your rounds from your tank uh-huh. Uh-huh. and, and uh, make choices about what to go move towards if you need ammo if you need armor <laughs> it's a real different kind of uh, 
the, yeah, I'm trying to think of the developer who did that one. That was, uh, he did another one called Super Tile Smash. That's a neat little tile matching puzzle thing that you're eliminating tiles by tapping on, on one that matches with others and then they all disappear. So uh-huh. it's a really neat, there's like special ones with rockets and bombs and other things uh, that you can use. Kind of like a battleship uh, game, right? Yeah. Well, it's are. similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. there are other there are uh, the, an imitation of Battleship on the iPhone called Battle Fruits, where uh-huh. you're trying to sink your opponent's tray of food. Uh, that's a it's a bit of a different <laughs> approach. Uh, but it's but, but it's quite accessible. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, thanks a bunch. It, you know, it, it it really is sort of nostalgic. Bring back a lot of memories. Oh yes, yeah. Games were a huge part of my life right back to high school. So of course I, whenever ever I think of Great Escape and yeah. Villian is fourteen moves away, he moves to find you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, are you going to talk about your new book, or have you done? We it are. Oh, uh, we probably, are. Yes, oh, we are. Probably. Yeah, yes. Okay. That's in the plan. <laughs> get to it pretty soon. Okay. We're getting to it pretty soon. I want. I wanted to. Um, um, uh, be nostalgic again for a couple of minutes. There, there, there were there were sort of a there were a number of games that were brought out by a particular company that 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 included games like Lunar Lander, which was a fun game where where you had to determine how much fuel and and speed you needed in order to effectively land on the moon without crashing, and that was fun. There was also um, there was also a fun game that my wife was addicted to, um, where where you had to essentially um, move around the United States and name all the capitals of the states. Oh, um, it was a, yeah. It, yeah, it was a fun game. I can't remember what it was called. No, they was they, they run they for event- president maybe. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. It was run for president, I, and that I was think, fun. That was a oh, Destino, Robert Destino. That was the general's right. name. Yeah, and, and and the Destino games actually. Um, actually created a bundle for the iphone yeah someone um, did that yeah and, and and i don't know whether they're one. don't know whether they're still available so let's take one or two more calls on games and then we're going to move on so who do we have uh, mr rick tim, tim cummings hey tim hey paul how are you i am um, well i i have to say uh i have to say Michael and I, I think have talked once or twice. I'm a big fan of Michael's. Me too. I used, I used to read his Odyssey way, way back in the day. Me I think too. I remember your emails. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So, I, first of all, I want to comment on the RS games. One of the most yep. um, fun RS games that Cheryl and I play, and to my detriment because she loves beating me is the, is the, she says she's in the background. She says all the time is the thousand miles. Oh yeah. Oh, yes. She is yeah. vicious in that game. She is. Vicious. It's also, it's also available on, um, on the playroom, by the way. Um, yes. But the slightly different rules, but, the, but same hmm. game and the sound effects for that game are quite fun. Yes. <laughs> Now the other thing I wanted, one of the other things I wanted to mention, Paul, and I don't know if you remember this, but you were you were talking about the Colossal Cave text adventure, yeah, which I love. Sure. Yep. Do you remember, Paul, that back in the day, and I remember this when I was in college, we had a one of the big Kurzweil reading machines, and you Ooh. could actually, when you got bored scanning a book, you could go in and play Colossal Cave text adventure on the exactly. Kurzweil. Really? Exactly. I remember oh. that. 
Wow. I remember um, they, they sent a disc around with their, their Kurzweil uh, 1000 software that had a lot of games and stuff packed onto it because there was so much extra space on the CDs that they could do that. The other game, Michael, yes, that did. I, the other game, Michael, that I want to know if you knew about, and I never got, I never was able to get through this, but it was very addictive. Was Michael? Do you remember Q Nine? Yes, yes, Q Nine. I I love that. Sarah liked that one as well. We played that quite extensively. That was a lot of fun. Oh um, my and, god! And that was a, a pretty young developer who pulled that off. Philip Philip Benfall. I I, I think he might have been. From was he Sweden. from Sweden? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Sweden. And, and, and it was it was a side scrolling game, and it was I I never I never you know made it through the first level. But the other thing is, there's so many new games for the iPhone. The blindfold, oh, yeah. the blindfold games that guy has come out with, and I am like, I am so addicted, and it's so mindless. But I'm I'm so addicted to the blindfold games, Color Crush. I can play that thing oh, for wow. hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I, and the I other guess, one. The other guess one, my Mike, favorite, is pinball for for his yes. pinball. His, yep. yep. And the other one, Michael, I wonder if you know about because this is 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 similar to your last name. Is it fair or I don't know how it's pronounced. It's fair. It's F fair. F E I R. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is also a very um, oh fear. A very You're fun thinking game. fear. Fear. Double yes. E. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've uh, that that is a fun endless runner. That that was a super. I Invention. No, nothing. No, nothing about it. So you guys it's will just, have to tell me about it. Basically, this is a thing where you're running in a, in a path, and things appear, obstacles appear ahead of you, and you have to either dodge around them, or jump over them, or, or use a, a shield or a weapon if you have them. So mm -hmm. it depends, and you keep getting these. You can get power ups, which give you advantages, and it just keeps going. It's endless, and it gets you're avoiding, you know, avoiding all these zombies, Paul. Yeah, zombies <laughs> or and, and different nice. things and bats and <laughs> dead hands reaching up from the ground. Yeah. And oh yeah. It gets no, faster and faster and the sounds get more, more dense, more busy. Yes. And uh -huh. uh, it, it gets harder as you go along. It's a really neatly balanced game. And then the, those same developers, they went on and they were the folks behind what we now know as Sonar Islands. That's the same oh, wow. group. They changed oh, wow. the company. They rebranded uh, mental home is what they're called now. And yeah, that is. It. I'm. I'm hoping we see more different things from them. Although I, I they should expand uh, Sonar Islands more. Uh, but boy, that is a neat little casual arcade puzzler. Huh? The, really the stuff there. Yeah. The, the final. The final one I want to mention. Um, and this. This game was. A, this was one of the first games that were were on the PC. Audio games that trans were trans transitioned over to Windows were the PC. PCS? Uh, PCS games. Yes. I, I actually um, got quite uh, familiar with Phil and uh, uh, his partner, Mike. Uh, we had a lot of really extensive conversations about game development <laughs> and what to do next. They were, they were early champions of my magazine. They went out of their way to, to spread it around and, and give, they, they kept hoping they'd spur on more articles by offering their games as prizes uh, for, for, that I could pick. And, and I tried to, to do that and to encourage more people to write about the games that they were so busy playing. And it was, it was somewhat successful, I guess we always had barely enough, but I never felt I was deluged with, with good articles to right. include, but, but uh, now, they were, they now were is there, is there a still, is there still an archive of Odyssey somewhere? It, well, audiogames.net has actually, they've kept a, a complete set of the Odyssey issues up there. 
So that was very generous of them to do that. They 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 uh, like their history, so they they uh, wanted to be the place to come to get all your gaming history needs met as well. So that they have a complete set of all. I believe it's fifty fifty seven issues of Odyssey. Yep. It's, it might be sixty one. It was something like I that. That's I right. stopped there. after forty. Yeah. And Ron Shammerhorn picked it up and kind of carried it for another eleven or twelve issues. Yeah, I I had. I had a complete set, but they, they, they have disappeared as I've moved. Uh, yeah. Tim, thank you so much, man. <laughs> thank you, yeah, man. Good to talk. Good. And uh, I'll it's be calling to hear again. From you. Great yeah, to absolutely. talk, please do. Yep. All right. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. <laughs> All right. So anybody else, Mr. Rick? No, sir. Very good. It's about time, people. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, we want to have so much fun. We do. So <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the iPhone. Um, it was introduced in 2008. Were you a pretty early adopter? I was a skeptical guy. It took at least a year. Uh, I I got mine in about 2011. Uh, I kept. I was very skeptical. I kept seeing these things from friends. And, hey, you you should look at these. It's amazing what we can do on the. And I read. Okay, what's an iPhone? Let me see. Here. It's a flat screen there's only one button yeah how the heck is anything possible for us on something i was very skeptical but i kept seeing these gleeful tweets and things from people and it eventually i i got okay i'm gonna go to applevis and have a look at this and you know i uh i was just amazed when i saw what what you know because it really harkened back to what i did with odyssey was this volunteer community of pioneers wanting to make things easier, better for people who came after them and spread what they enjoyed. And they were willing to put effort into doing that. And I, I was just totally, just slowly drawn. My skepticism was chipped away. I'd laughed a little less at uh, these people who were telling about all these fanciful things they were doing. Cause I, I, at first I thought, okay, what are, you know, are they, is this real or are, is it like the person who played Zelda, but, had to memorize every single thing. It wasn't the right. same adventure at all, you know. So I, I'm, you know, and but I finally said, okay. Well, my mom uh, broke her phone, and I needed a new phone. I had one with raised buttons. That was the only reason I had it because I could dial with it, and that was uh-huh. all I could do. And I, I wanted something more than that, uh, but you know, nothing seemed available, accessible in the range I was willing to pay. And then all of a sudden, the iPhone and it was like, okay, so I can get this. It has no buttons, but I've, I got prepared as I could. I got the uh, book by Anna Dresner, who uh, wrote a really good introductory book. And, of course, I knew about Applevis. So I felt I was, you know, as prepared as one could be and went into that shop uh, to get the new phone. My mom had my old phone. And I, I remember signing that contract and being handed this flat slab and thinking, hmm, you know, uh, this feels like a drinks coaster. Uh, yep. <laughs> it, you know, and, and it just, and then, the, you know, the, of course, they, they set it up for me, the salesman and, and uh, my father, you know, between the two of them, they got it set up. And then it st- and told them how to turn on voiceover and it started talking. And I, on, I think until that moment, the salesman figured that maybe my father would be with me whenever I needed to use the phone or something like that. Because mm-hmm. he, it just when when I started touching and and it started telling me what I was feeling on the screen, and I started doing things, I, I think it kind of blew his mind. 
you know, this, uh-huh. this guy had no idea that this was, was possible. And it, it you know, that I, within the first, I went from, oh my God, have I just done something really crazy signing this hundreds dollar contract over years to pay this back for this device. And within the first hour, I knew that things were good. I would really, once I got the hang of this, it would be a really powerful addition. And it just kept getting better. You know, I came in just as stuff was starting to happen when people were starting to be able to use the camera to do different things, identify things, read. Well, OCR took a while before we got a really good OCR uh, solution, thanks to Kurzweil. Uh, but wow, it just kept getting better year after year. And to the point where I started uh, looking at, at the guy, like writing, I can, I can almost replace my laptop with this. Mm-hmm. And I remember experimenting with that, you know, going to a cottage with a friend, leaving my laptop behind, taking the phone and a Bluetooth keyboard, and really getting into serious discussions with, with this Steve, my friend Steve Mergaski, about mm-hmm. how, do we, how, how feasible is this really, you know, to go without a laptop completely and just use the phone. Mm-hmm. And what? One of the biggest debates that I think is going on in, in, in the access technology field now is, do, is there really a space any longer for full-blown full note takers or, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or should everybody be getting what amount to Braille displays that can connect to iPhones? And that's unfortunately, until we get to a point where you can be ironclad guaranteed that basic, the basic Braille functionality will work yep. from one release to the next of iOS without any yep. big upsets. I think there, there's going to be those people who, you, if you're really dependent on Braille, like if, if you're deafblind, right. that's your only option. Yep. So there, there'd better be a plan B because there, there are times when, you know, I, I only use Braille to read books. That's, that's mm-hmm. pretty much the, I don't, I, I can type way faster on a Bluetooth keyboard than I ever could on a Brailler. Sure. So, for me, speech is my main access. So for me, there haven't been as many bumps. But if you rely on Braille, it is still, there are still really rough patches. They will get fixed in time. Right. But it will take, you'll see updates about all manner of other things before the Braille problem goes away. And you know, that Braille uh, problem will wreck your day. Right. But yep. it, it, it won't bother other people enough to get that kind of speedy resolution that happens right. when your iPhone can't make or receive phone calls. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of the biggest philosophical questions that operates for those of us who are, who are kind of looking at the, uh, at the, at the access scene. You know, I mean, everybody says, uh, it, wasn't it wonderful that iPhones developed this accessibility system that for the most part is pretty damned amazing. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, but on the other hand, Say, say we all. Um, it, it seems as though, especially where Braille is concerned, and 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 I I I get mad at anybody who starts messing with my Braille. Um, but access to Braille is a, is is essentially a relatively low priority, and they're going to push out uh, even even when they know. And this is the thing that bothers one: even when they know this thing is screwed in terms of braille because their their testers have told them that they're still going to push push the the new updates out knowing that they're screwing over folks who are using these things 
And, yeah. and that's my problem with, yeah. with Apple. I'm pretty much at the, at the same level. It's, it's a wonderful thing. The thing is, it's, we're tempted to think in absolute terms. Yes. And that's, that's not like we, as, as, if we're going to enter this space as blind people, we have to get used to the fact that we are now part of a much bigger sure. co- ecosystem of pressure, of ep- economic forces. We're important to Apple. If you spend any time listening to the WWDC events and all the accessibility yep. panels and things they pack those with, all the guest speakers they've had, Herban Gerba, Gerba the... Uh, uh, deaf-blind Harvard graduate. I mean, Stevie yep. Wonder. I mean, they have some really high-power profile people who aren't known for putting up with crap, who are nonetheless putting up with these these blemishes on Apple's record yep. because it, they realize, and I think we all have to take a step back and realize that yeah. we, you know, being an absolutist in this realm isn't going to get us very far. Right. It, it, it's it's a case of you're going to have points where braille just isn't you know it's not like like the the one of the things we give up if we let the company that makes the hardware makes the software also make accessibility tools is we're now part of their overall picture which right we're a small fraction of even yeah. taking all of us together we're a tiny fraction of so yep. they're not going to do things like force everyone at gunpoint to use accessibility tools. They'll make them available. They'll encourage developers in all the ways they can to make their apps accessible, but they're not going to force that on. They're not going to throw anybody out because their app isn't accessible. No, you're absolutely right. So so this is the kind of thing that you have to go in knowing. And I I took great pains in my book to spell that out to people. I'd much rather have people not come in than come in and realize later that they aren't happy with, the trade-offs that they have to make. Uh, that's well, that's and, the kind of place. And, and the trade-offs are interesting because let's, you know, clearly none of the other systems that are comparable, i.e. I. neither the Windows system nor the, nor the Android system, um, nor the, oh, whatever other systems are out there. And there are, there are a couple of other smaller ones, but none of them is at nearly the level of operability and access that Apple is at even now, even after a decade. Yeah, and now they're having to work harder to maintain any kind of lead. Android has taken big Correct. strides recently, but it's taken till right around now, within the past couple of years, for that to start to really be the case, right. even even and, if you exclude Braille, yeah, well, and and you can't exclude Braille because Brailleback is still is still an issue with some with 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 some phones, um, yeah, and and that's a yeah. shame. Um, and, that's, and 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 I'm not a, a an Android fan, so so I'm probably not being entirely fair to them. And and if some Android folks would like to come on and and argue with me about about accessibility. I mean, there are loads of people who, who, who will be Android um, people until the day they die, um, yeah. who are blind. But, and yep. that, but that's, that's all part of what we're, we're, we're engaging with a massive ecosystem that has enabled, in iOS's case, access to a whole range, more information than is, is imaginable. Like I'm sitting here with thousands of books that I paid exactly as much as a sighted person would pay for yep. in my hand as I hold this iPhone that are completely accessible to me. 
I can go in there with Kindle or Audible or Apple Books and get at those books and, and read them, enjoy them. Just as in, in, and they're fully and they're fully accessible. Some of them, some of them audio, and some of them text to speech. But yep. the other thing is that the the quality of text speech over the past decade has improved amazingly. Yes, yeah, exactly. And now we've got those voices. Apple is slowly increasing the variety mm-hmm. that they, they make available, and other app developers can can tap into even more that'll work exclusively with their apps. So there's there's a growing range of, of voices, and and Braille support is is there when it works, and uh, it, it mostly works after a while. All these things I find Apple does eventually address, but it can take like really, you know, some you go through months and months sometimes with particularly Braille uh, without things being resolved as quickly, and that that can be annoying. Uh, voiceover is not without its quirks either, but they're, they're usually things that can sort of be worked around if you're willing to explore the touchscreen with your finger and take some other steps that beginners might find a bit harder. And I try to sort of spell some of this out in the, in the guide so that people are realized, you know, hopefully they get it even before they decide to get an iPhone uh, or, or you know, before they said, decide in, in fury to send it back because they just don't have the information that they need to get it going. Uh, Apple doesn't provide for anyone really, even sighted people. They don't. They don't have a lot of starting, getting started material. And you know, they they basically have designed this thing thinking that it's so intuitive that people will just be able to get by and start doing things and learn as they go. And for sighted people, that's that's by and large true. You know, it, it has really paid off for them. They have managed to do it. Uh, but for blind people, there's this extra level of learning voiceover. And that is the screen reader built into every iPhone. And it's great that it's free. It's great that it's there, but they don't really explain it very well. There's no tutorial like there ought to be. And so you're left sort of sink or swim on your own ESP or something. If you don't even have first sight, hopefully you have second sight to know how to use this. And, and there is material out there, but nothing points you towards it so it's it's a, for especially if you're disconnected if this is the first device you're getting that will really let you connect to uh, online to the blind community at large uh it, it's an uphill battle if you don't have a good friend someone who knows what they're doing there to sort of get you through past the beginner stage to where these things really do start to click and you understand the conventions and the gestures and the rules make sense there is a kind of a, a learning curve that then all of a sudden levels out and you're like, oh, it's all kind of making sense and more and more things just become possible. But there's an initial steep curve. And then, of course, there's which apps are accessible. That's the other big question that blind people face because millions aren't, but there are an, an awful lot that are. And it's the kind of, you can say, oh, well, if, if, if so many apps aren't accessible, why am I even bothering? And that's, that's a, a good question, but I think if there's enough there that can really enhance your life, which in, in my judgment there more than is with iOS, then it doesn't matter if you can't do everything. You can still have a really good time and and have a device that really impacts your life massively. Uh, you know, it, it just having a device that everyone uses, even sighted people, it's not some strange exotic device made for the blind. It's something very common 
you know, if, if you don't have one yourself as a sighted person, there'll be someone you know who does, right? It's, it's, it's that common in the world now. And we can use that and they can see us using that. Not only that, but we can use a lot of the same apps, like the banking app, uh, particularly apps to do things, to uh, shop online, to bank, to do practical things. A lot of those apps tend to be, the likelihood is they'll be more often accessible than not. So in that sphere, particularly, like we can use pages, we can use you know, to write our documents on, we can use uh, the web, you know, browsing websites and get around with Safari, uh, that browser. Uh, my bank has an app that, that is fully accessible and they, they take great pains to keep it that way. And, you know, everything, the, the hydro app for our local hydro uh, is, is somewhat accessible. That's uh, the electricity for those of us in this country. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so did you start taking notes on your experience with the iPhone as soon as you got it? Or, or did you kind of remember back when you decided to write the book? Well, I, I went through a long phase of, of exploring, enjoying what I was learning, and really feeling that there was enough help out there. You know, like to, you know, I had made the, I knew enough to know where to look to find those, that help initially, the Applevis site, the uh, Anna Dresner book, among many other things. Uh, I was very well connected. I listened to the tech podcast. So, of course, they were talking about it. And t- so I, I just figured everyone, obviously knows about this. Why would I bother doing anything else, right? right? I'd be reinventing the wheel. And then over the years, I started running into more people who didn't know about basic things. You know, they were totally blind. They had these iPhones and they were miserable because they didn't know voiceover. No one had bothered. They tried to do everything with Siri because sighted people figured that was what made it all accessible, right? It talked Mm -hmm. and you talked to it. So surely that's how a blind person was meant to use the iPhone. And it, it, they don't, the, the difference between a digital assistant and a screen reader is lost on the general public. It so is. So you, you have to sort of you know, realize that voiceover is right there. Uh, to, and once you know about it, then you can start figuring things out. Uh, and there are some included hints there. You know, there's a practice mode. You have to sort of find out about all this stuff somehow. Uh, that's, it, those, it's, it's, a lot harder for a beginner to connect those dots if they don't have any any people or any resources to hand to point them towards this stuff. So now we should we should tell folks that the Anna Dresner book that we're talking about was available and, and is available, I think, in some other versions now um, from the National Braille Press. So if if um, people would like to get that in Braille, they can, and it's also available in in uh, Word format and in um, EPUB format, I think. Yes, and there's there's more where that came from. National Braille Press is a good spot to drop in because they have a lot of books about the iPhone, about various aspects of it. So, and then there's of course there's uh, uh, Shelley Brisbane's uh, book uh, about uh, iOS access for all, and that goes beyond the blindness. That goes into other accessibility areas, which I don't do. My book, I should really be clear about that, is strictly from a totally blind user's point of view. Mm-hmm. So I'm really focused on voiceover and, you know, I brush over some of the other accessibility, you know, that might be useful. Um, but my main focus is, is my, is, is an experience from a blind person's point of view. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with my book. 
What is fascinating to me about your approach is that um, I, 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 I hope you won't take this as an insult, and I don't think you will, um, is that what you do a lot in your book is digress. <laughs> yes, I do. And I'm proud of that because I yes. think, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a group of people who really bristle at my book, and it's the technocrats who are right. really comfortable with manuals, with dry, how do you do this? I just want a list telling me this, 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 and then yeah. it's friggin' done. A, B, C, D, you know? and E, and then and, shut up. And that's it. And, yep. and that's, you know, those books are valuable. I don't, I yep. don't disdain them. I just think a different, something else is needed here. Something to really tell you why you want to bother learning, going through the hoops of learning how to use a, a device that seems to be very antithetical to blind use, a device with a flat screen with only a few buttons on Like, why would you want to bother? It's not, you know, th those of us who have gone, have, have, have drunk the Kool-Aid, it's very yep. obvious why, you know, it, it, it all works. It's all, it's just such a part of our lives that we can't imagine being without it. But if you're on the outside and you've never would have imagined that a touchscreen device would be useful, you know, and, and it's not only useful, but coveted, outright coveted by people who are blind who don't have them, and, you know, but know enough to know how useful they are. Yep. Right. I mean, that's, that's not something that would be, that, that seems on the surface sensible. But when you, when you realize the power that comes with having so much technology in something you can hold in the hand, you know, having a camera, you can identify things with having a library, you can pocket of accessible books, having a stereo, you know, a, a game center, a, a, you know, an office, essentially, yep. you know, in your hand. A word processor, uh, um, gosh, uh, oh, GPS stuff. Um, yeah. And, uh, and all, all in a single device and all that you can put on there at once and still have space. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, to, to convince, I would have laughed at, if you had told me this 10 years ago, I would have laughed at you, you know, right. even then, you know, I, I never would have imagined that it would get to the point we're at now where these things are more powerful than most desktops, you know, in yes. terms of sheer computing power, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. And you can just get a bag of accessories, a keyboard, an external power bank, you know, ear pods, yep. AirPods, and yep. you're pretty much set for a week, yep. you know. It, yep. It's amazing. So that's, I wanted to so, make a guide that helped make yep. that obvious to people, make that case. So two years ago, you published the first edition of the book. Um, what in the world made you decide two years later that it was time for another? Well, it was a, a couple of things, one of which was my exhaustion, just dealing with the pandemic, all the bad news, the non-visits, mm -hmm. yep. all the visits to family and friends that you miss out on. It, it just it's hard to cope with that mentally. And I found I did not have the energy, the enthusiasm I needed to really dig into something really different and new. And that was disappointing to me. I, I did not really want to spend another, who knows how long working on an edition of the guide, but it really became clear to me that, that it would be better to do that. And then what really nailed the coffin was Apple did some changes to voiceover and they unleashed artificial intelligence into iOS 14 initially, and they've built on it in iOS 15. And basically, voiceover started telling you different things because of this. They have three things, screen recognition, text 
uh, text recognition and image description. And that they unleashed artificial intelligence to make your screen reader do more for you. And that was massive. That made it feel different. That made the, the initial experience, if you were just coming in as a beginner, it wouldn't match what I told you would happen in the guide. Right. So I, I, at that point, I felt forced into it. I felt that it was really the best use of what creative energy I had. It would, it would give me something worthwhile to do, and it would be appreciated when it was done, and it would help me get through the pandemic with, with some sense of purpose and direction. And I thought, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tackle this. And, and so I started uh, in, in earnest. I sort of dabbled. You know, there are always, it, when you unleash something like that, there are always, you know, within weeks, there are things you kick yourself for not having done. And I rushed the first edition out because of the pandemic. I, I thought this could help people. I could polish this until doomsday, but, you know, it could be helpful now. And I released that. And I, very quickly got emails back letting me know that that was a good decision. You know, when you hear from a lady in England who, you know, in one of these really busy nursing homes and no one has any time for spare little things, she lost a, a ring that she really wanted to find again. And my guide helped her learn enough to get Be My Eyes going. And that's an app that lets you show your surroundings to a sighted person through your camera. And they can, that you can get sighted help at a distance, they can tell you where to reach, where to turn, to look for things, to help you do things. And she was able to do with that help. She was able to get her ring back, and that and it's sort of sort of like Ira, but free. Yes, yeah, it, it, it's it's free, and that has uh, it, it uses volunteers, which which means you do have to think about what you use something like this for. Uh, you wouldn't want to, you know, necessarily use it for a credit card. Or something, unless you had to to get information off, you know, something like that. You, you have to think more about what you use it for. But it is free, and they're all you know just people waiting to help, right? And and if they can't help, they don't have to. It's not like you're forcing them. So you, it's great. You can get the help that you need to do something. And and you know, she obviously got someone with enough time to help her look around this this room and find her ring. And she just in this profusely thankful email. You know, you know, just glowed. You could just feel the delight. You know, and that's when I knew that I had done the right thing. You know, I, I you know, it was the right decision pushing this out when I did, it, it, despite all its yep. imperfections. Yep. So the line in the sand that blind iPhone users point at is when version eight went away and version ten arrived. Um, did you see that as a significant time for blind folks? Uh, it was it was helpful. Uh, I, I found seven to be really remarkably stable and, and a good experience. And then, right. you know, when ten came, it was it was another sort of fairly steep jump up. Yep. And uh, it, it did it, it did introduce a lot of interesting features. And but I, I think it really the big one almost came in like eleven twelve, where you started to really see the hints of what was going to come in terms of, right. of artificial intelligence, things like that right. uh, is, is where that all sort of really got going. What I thought um, you'd talk about was, was, was the, the uh, disappearance of the, of the single button that you used to have. Well, the home button, I got used to those gestures very quickly. Uh, it, it didn't really phase me. I, didn't, I really didn't understand how much it would phase other blind people until 
you know, you started to see the struggles with the, and the struggles didn't last long, as long as people took the time to just memorize those gestures, but it it was a big change. And, you know, I think the, the headphone jack was almost a bigger, a bigger blow to more people just because they were so used to having it. Um, now you had to choose between charging for the first little while, charging and listening uh, privately with headphones if you needed to do that. Um, now, of course, with w- wireless charging, it's it's a non-issue, uh, but still painful for people who need you know hearing aids because if you you know you you then go through that to a streamer and into yeah. the hearing aids, which introduces that dreaded lag that we have to be so careful of yep. when we get accessories and. Uh, Inside people don't often realize that if you introduce enough lag, it's one thing if you're just listening to something like music. It's quite another if you're listening for a voice that's telling you what's happening on your screen as you try to control things. Mm-hmm. If, there's, if there's too much lag, you hang up on calls you want to answer and stuff like that starts to happen. So, yeah, like it, it, ten kind of, it did throw me for a couple of loops, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, that wouldn't have on its own pushed me to... To do a guide, I, I wouldn't have right. thought that that would have been a, as big a change as, as and, would would do it. Right, and you would say to people essentially that 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 they shouldn't be put off by the by the loss of the of the button. Yeah, Face ID worked. There was such panic when that you know when Face yeah. ID was coming out, and I thought, oh come on, have. But of course, Apple in its usual style was dead silent. On whether yes. they, so we had nothing to convince people that, of course, they thought of blind people. They're not just going to leave us in the dust. There's no way they put way too much effort in. But people don't see that effort really, like unless you go through the trouble of of listening to the conference, the developer conferences, of of looking at their accessibility site and all the things that they talk about that they offer developers. You know, you don't realize how much effort they've put in to making it accessible. And you just see that the problems, the, the rough spots, and it, it can be kind of a, oh, they're forgetting, they're not thinking of us, they're forgetting about us. And oh, you know, it's easy to sort of panic. Uh, and I hope that changes. I hope they get more communicative over time because that would really do them some serious good, I think. Now, do you get involved in 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 doing advanced work on the iPhone? I.e., do you are are you in one of the developers groups? Not, not really, no, because I need my phone to be as stable as <laughs> it's what I do everything with. So I I don't really go for the beta testing because I I just value what I have too much to risk running into these snags, especially if it, like that. That's what I use to let people in my apartment, essentially. Uh, that's how our buzzer works through the phone. So, you know, yep. if, if if that isn't working because of beta testing and we're expecting packages, that presents problems. It so does. I, I do have to think about stuff like that and, and really not do the, the beta testing as much. So you need to buy two or three other iPhones, Michael. So you- y- yeah, it would, it would take... <laughs> and if, and if Apple wanted to uh, furnish me with said iPhone, uh, I would I would be happy to do that and and you know take some time to test things. Same with Ulysses; that's a great app that I use for all my writing. Uh, yep. They often ask for beta testers, particularly with for voiceover, and I'd love to do it, but I can't risk it not working when I'm trying to finish a book or you know or yep. doing other stuff. I do other volunteer things for people, and and I need those things working. So it so. It, uh, 
spell the name of that app and tell us a little bit more about it because you you described it quite well in your in your first edition but i think there are still loads of people who haven't seen it yeah it's a different beast it's called ulysses after the, the greek fellow and uh so that's u-l-y-s-s-e-s and this is an app that won an apple award i actually heard them win that award in i believe it was 2014 uh at, at one of their apple conferences and within a few weeks of them winning that award, they, they released the first version of, of their app that was accessible. And this, uh, they had, I guess they got interns to work on the voiceover aspect of it. And they did a really good job initially. They kind of slipped a few times as it went forward. Uh, hence my griping about the spelling, uh, the voiceover spelling rotor right. didn't work for a while. <laughs> and, and Ulysses, would slow there was a, a couple of months where ulysses became a death trap because it would slow things down painfully the minute you started typing or doing anything that you'd typically do when you were uh, writing gasp choke so you know it, i had to find and i always encourage people to find a plan b in case of such lapses and my plan b was an app called scrivener that i used which is is about the closest thing i could find it, it has a bit of a different philosophy to it basically with these apps let you do though is write long documents in pieces that you can move around and they don't set any limit on how big those pieces can be so i have sheets as they're called in ulysses each sheet is a section of my guide i have like 39 of them and those are the main sections little sections i didn't make uh separate sheets for um i didn't want to go that far but i i did do the big the main sections the, the level one headings are each their separate sheets and in Ulysses. And I, uh, I would re and that made reordering the sections, which I did more often than I like to think, um, you know, cause I was always fretting about what to introduce first, right. To make the path. Mm -hmm. If people were going to read this thing through that, they'd understand what they'd need to when they reached this or that point. And so I would, I wanted to be able to do that. And I wanted something that didn't, I didn't need all the frills of like a uh, something like Pages or a Microsoft Word. I wanted something that got out of the way, just let me write. And Ulysses really did that. And basically, it's been stable and, and quite good for most of the past couple of years. And uh, they keep adding to it. This is an app you had to subscribe to. So I'm, I'm happy to pay that every year. It's about 36 bucks because I, I was one of the early adopters of the app. So it uh, that that reduced my rate i think the normal rate's a bit higher uh if you haven't done that but it's it's such a, a useful app it uses markdown language so i'm using punctuation like number sign number sign for a heading uh or star star for i think that was underline or bold things huh? like that and you can just put those in and of course they're punctuation so they're perfectly readable by voiceover and you can just it, the mechanics get out of the way and you can just write and it's very very great for that and now of course they've added a grammar checker a style grammar spelling typo checker that was a godsend when i went to edit the second edition uh so the app just keeps getting better over time and i'm, I'm very happy to uh it's one of my happier subscriptions really yep so bef before we run out of time and, and, and i'm going to try to get uh, so, so people can start raising their hands. I'm going to try to get a couple of questions in, but why don't we talk about where folks can get the book if they want it? 
and um, and what kinds of versions it's available in now and what are likely to be available in the future? Well, we have, uh, I've, I've let it loose on the net on my blog. So it's michaelfair.blogspot.com slash, and there's a, a further link to it. There's, um, yeah, I, I can, I could paste it in the chat. There is, um, if you search for my name on Google, um, it, it's definitely going to come up pretty quickly. Uh, Applevis has an, if you go to applevis.com, there's an entry there that will guide you to, to the guide uh, that, and, that I posted. And, and we, we haven't really said it, but Applevis is a place where everybody who is visually impaired who uses the iPhone ought to become comfortable hanging out in. Um, yes. Because there is so much wonderful information that's been developed by a group of volunteers essentially for nothing and also who are essentially perfectly prepared to say something sucks if it does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's a great site. Everyone should, should drop in there. If, if there's one thing I hope people take away from the guide, it's that there is other places to get information uh, about apps, about things. And Applevis is the grand central of them all. It's, it's a massive yes. undertaking. Yep. And, and now they have a, the guide posted up and they have a link to my blog entry. And I have different versions of it. Uh, it. It's supposed to be an all-in-one thing. So I take you from the very beginning, setting up your device, through learning voiceover, through the app store, different things about iOS settings, how you adjust settings of your phone, uh, the economics of iOS, living with you know, you know costs of things and things like that. Um, and I take you right through to apps and all the different apps out there for shopping, for games, for all kinds of things. The accessible game section is over 20, 22,000 words long now. Nice. So it's, it's nice and hefty. And so hopefully it'll give beginners a much better start than I had. It. And you can get, uh, there are versions, an EPUB, uh, that I recommend for most people because it's got the interactive table of contents, which really helps, and the headings behave properly. If you're looking at it on a Victor stream, you should copy it into the D DDT folder, DBT. Um, I think it's usually for De Daisy Book. Um, uh, Daisy books, but this it, it'll work better in that folder than if it's in the text so, folder. So in the states, you'd probably put it in the folder where your bookshare stuff is. Ah, possibly, yeah. It, yeah. it just it works, makes it possible to use EPUB, and uh, and yes. it behaves like a Daisy yeah. book almost. So yes. very, very good for that. And uh, I I read it in Voice Stream Reader on the on the iPhone. That's a wonderful app. Yeah, uh, you you can also get this in PDF. Uh, and uh, text, there's a plain text version I put up exactly as I did it in, in Ulysses with all the markdown things. So you could, it, at worst case, you could use the number signs. You could search for number signs and uh -huh. sort of use it to navigate your way through the guide. Uh, it's uh -huh. uh, Microsoft Word. It's available in that. And someone has done two versions of Braille. There's BRF, which is uh, not UEB Braille. And then there's BRL, which is UEB Braille. And she thought that that one would be better formatted. So, but that's, I can't really test that, but that's, that's what she says. The, the BRF is, is a Braille ready file. So there, there are more formatting commands that are built into that file than there are in a, in a, in a normal BRL file. Ah, well, she, she just did this on a thing called OpenBook, which is old, nice. old software. Yep, it is old and, software. 
and she she actually put in the time to uh, to do this. So, and then within I, I kid everyone that happened in the first two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, next thing you know, there's an, uh, another couple on Applevis uh, who came forward, and they're willing to read the whole guide. And into, they have a studio, a home studio, and they're prepared to use it to record the whole guide as an audiobook. And I, I, I hope the marriage survives that process. Uh, but that, that's <laughs> what they're going to try and do over the next while. So we could have an audio version of this, which I think will be really helpful for people who aren't used to synthetic speech. So uh, you know, I'm, nice. I'm really happy that this is, uh, this is happening. My first guide, it took ages before people stepped forward and started you know, making a daisy, making a braille version. Uh, of it, uh, I've removed all those files now. So all that's up there is my the new versions of the guy of, of the latest edition, and uh, you'll also find a lecture I did called "Connecting the Dots," uh, kind of more about the the benefits of owning a smartphone. I did that uh, a couple of years ago for a conference, uh, and uh, so I posted that for people to uh, to, to uh, have if they want. So that's an MP3 file. Nice. So. Hope- Hopefully, uh, that'll be easy for everyone to access. And if, if people need, you can email me. I can attach copies in whatever format you might need and, uh, and email them to you. So there's that option as well. And, and give folks your email address. Now that I so, know so it, I'll never forget it. it yes, it's, <laughs> it's michael.fair, and that fair is F as in Frank, E-I-R, at gmail.com. And uh, so you can email me there, and I'm happy to uh, send you copies of the second edition. Well, that's excellent. It's it's it is a it is a fairly hefty book, three hundred and ten thousand words. Uh, yes, uh, um, characters. Excuse me. <laughs> yep, words. <laughs> words. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I, I I shudder to think how many characters. It's luckily it's it's lucky that sort of text files and that kind of thing are small. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, well. The EPUB is about seven hundred. I think it's seven or eight hundred K. It's in that range. It's uh, it's yeah. close to a megabyte. <laughs> may, may even be bigger. Yep, that's that is excellent. Yeah. All right, Mister Rick, do we have any hands? We do not, Paul. Very good. That gives me more time. So, it, it in terms of in terms of the phone. Um, do you see anything that you've read about that's going to be exciting about 14? So far, uh, no, nothing is really earth-shattering. Uh, I've heard that it, the design might be very, very different and that they, they could add some form of satellite communication uh, for I, emergency use. Uh, but I, I haven't heard of anything... like this, The stuff I'm really interested in is more this, the the new iOS because uh, right. that I, I will be able to use that fully. So I'm very eager for information on that. And so far things have been tighter. Like there hasn't been as much as there, there's all kinds of rumors, but it, you know, a lot of those don't pan out. So it's uh, and, and Apple is, is uh, really doing better this year at keeping stuff more under wraps. Uh, I will be uh, part of a panel that that comes on after the keynote at WWDC on June the sixth, and uh, we'll be talking over whatever they choose to reveal that uh, that will tell me just how obsolete my guide is about to be <laughs> in the fall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the goalpost never stops moving. I, I'm hoping for you know better, uh, you know more. I, I really, my biggest wish would be a tutorial for voiceover. 
you know, I would be cheering over the moon if they did that. They really ought to have done that since day one. They did for the Mac, but they didn't for the yeah. iPhone. And the no, there iPhone was an, there's an early iPhone tutorial that was done by uh, not them. It wasn't done by Apple. It was done by a, a school uh, or a school system or a a college or university somewhere in the States. I've got it somewhere. There was a um, couple of attempts at that. There was v- yeah. VO Lab, VO Starter. I yeah. think VO Starter is the one you're thinking of, but there were yep. there were a couple of early stabs. And then now there are these educational games by Fia Dimsmore. Uh, uh, Ballyland is, is the mm-hmm. franchise that she taps into, or, or he. Uh, and it's, it's a series of uh, games that teach kids. They're really aimed at kids to teach the gestures, the rotor, the mm-hmm. all the different voiceover things. So there's there's Ballyland Magic and Ballyland. Uh, there's a one where you're flying a helicopter. Uh, can't remember all the titles, but there's there's a, a good five six of them out, uh, up there. Is so, there is there a simple way to get to those games that, uh, you, that you know offhand? You'd probably just have to type uh, Ballyland, B-A-L-L-Y-L-A-N-D. In, into and, and that's B as search. in boy? Yeah, B as in boy. Yeah. So that would be, uh, you could also look on AppleVis. I believe they have entries on, on yes. some of the games there. So, and, and I really, yep. I, I can't stress that enough. Before you gamble on an app, check on AppleVis. See if people have thoughts, because they'll comment if it's accessible and if it's more importantly not accessible. And that can help you avoid, you know, p- paying for something you, you can't use. Um, so hey guys, it's, we have some hands up if you want. Oh, to go cool. Ahead. Sure. Very good. Yep. Uh, Debbie Rick. Deathridge, please. Hey, Debbie. From hey, Kentucky. how's it going? Yeah, it, it is going well. Um, first of all, it, I'm, a, I'm like you all. If somebody would have told me eight, 10 years ago that you would have been using a phone for more than just a phone, I would have laughed. <laughs> but uh my biggest problem that I run into is if you have apps and they become inaccessible, how to report them to you know the developer because it seems like it sends you around in circles on yeah. how to do that. Yeah, the only th- thing you can do there, if if you can't get at the app, sometimes it's right in the app. They'd have a menu option to say about you know contact this per you know this address for, and they'll let you email them directly or something like that. Or fill out a form, uh, but failing that, if you if you go to the app store and you find the app's name, you get the description of the app. Um, if 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 that's still possible, then you can get. There's usually a developer contact button. There'd be enough information there. You, you're gonna have to thoroughly look through the app description and and, and yeah. beyond the description, like the other details. Yeah, it's usually down near the down near the bottom after they describe you know, other apps that they have that they want you to know about, then, then yeah. their contact information is right at the bottom. Yeah. And, and, and that's pretty much what you have to do to really get their attention. Cause you really like the people at Apple, they can't do much for you other than maybe refund money. But the, even there, like if you've been using an app for a long time, like it, I doubt that you'd get your money back. It really has to be you have to discover kind right. of right away. Yeah, that, it's just that it's, finding out where you go. You know. Yeah. So. I think so, the other thing that I would that I would suggest to you, Debbie, is that you think about um, writing a note to Applevis because they do pay attention to that stuff, and and they they if if they what they'll often do is check to see if an app is really broken, and and if it isn't, they'll they'll often 
figure like there's some demand and they will they'll at least consider putting out a note about the product yeah yeah and, and a lot of developers will go to apple this and, and see these things eventually but it might take a while so if you go there and you put in that app entry you put in the forum you now unless you're the author of the initial art uh you know review on apple this you right. really you can't change it uh you can no. comment on it so you can absolutely add comments right uh, w- which can get get looked at and you can you can uh, write to the people you can write a message in the forum as well and you, can. and you could you can just say hey this app isn't accessible and then you get other people looking at that app perhaps and they might chime in and either find a way around the problem or add to the demand and the clamor to fix the situation you find yourself in yep. deb thank you so much for your call Mr. Rick, anybody else? Yeah, we've got Mark. Hey, Mark. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just more curious about because I'm not a I'm not really a serious voiceover user, mm-hmm. but I have an iPhone 13, and I know that the button's not there anymore. And you're talking mm-hmm. about gestures, but yeah. I know that I can do some of the things with the button on the side, uh, like turn on voiceover and turn off voiceover. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. yeah. Doing it on the- uh-huh. Yep. So what are some of the gestures? Okay. So basically there are, there are a few things that, that you used to be able to do with the home button that now that there is no home button, you have to do another way. So the side button will do some of that. That will do the accessibility shortcut to turn on and off voiceover. And it will also, you know, uh, give your phone a chance to unlock and then you can, you can get to the lock screen uh, and then you have to do a, a, a up from the bottom. You touch at the bottom. You'd you'd go up a bit, and that and then you release after the second beep, uh, and that gets you home. So you touch at the bottom. You feel a bit of you hear a bit of a tick, and that's when you know you're in the when it knows you want to do something special. Then you drag your finger up, and you you hear a couple of higher pitch ticks. The first one uh, will get you to the home. Uh, the home screen and the next one up will get you to the app switcher. And that's where you can go and force apps to close or go from one app to another, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, on from the top down, the, again, you get that initial tick when you touch in the right place to let you know that it knows that you want to do something special up top and not read the status bar. And if you drag your finger down without lifting it, you feel, you hear the first, tick higher tick and you feel a bump and that is at that point if you release there you get to the control center and that's where you can do simpler setting changes turn on and off bluetooth uh do other things like that uh change focus mode uh things like that the second beep down uh in that in that after the first uh, you got the first beep which is the control center the second one down is notifications and that's another way of getting to the notification center. Very handy to, uh, to know to, to how to do that. You can also still use the, ta- if you can touch the status bar, and then you can still use the, the three-finger flick uh, up flick to get down. to the control yep. center and down and, to get to and the down notification. To get to, yep. Yep. And, and, and those will still work. So it has, the Apple doesn't remove things that can still be used, but it, it's, it can be, Handy for the, especially now that there's no home button to have these gestures memorized to get to the app switcher, the control center, the home screen, 
when you want to escape an app and get back out of an app to the home screen, that that's how you do it. Um, and, and the, uh, the notification center. Very good. Mr. Mark, thank you for your call. Okay. And the email from Michael is michael.fear. F-E-I-R. Yep. At gmail.com. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. You're problem. more than welcome. Yep. Bye now. We can take one thank more you. call if there is one, Rick. There is not, Paul. All right. So um, I guess I, I, I guess kind of the last the last question or the, the last major question that I would ask you is do you see do you see any major weaknesses in the iPhone or are you for the most part pretty satisfied with this amazing device? I guess I'm I'm happy that we can use a device that is is so accessible, lets us into so much of the sighted ecosystem, the sighted world, mm-hmm. access to more information than I ever would have dreamed available. Oh, no question. Uh, the, the, uh, the positives far outweigh the negatives in my book, but there are negatives. And I think it's important that people realize that preferably before they make the big investment, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I want them aware of that things are not perfect in Apple's walled garden. There are trouble spots and you sort of have to live with them for probably a while before they're fixed. So that's the, but they, the thing. But to they usually get fixed. Is that the message that I hear yeah. you saying? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. It, now it, it might take, like in this case, it's taken most of the way till the end of the iOS cycle to fix the major problems. But they are fixed now, pr- pretty much, as far as I'm yes. aware. So yep. it, you know, you can wait a while, but they will. It's we're never left. Apple is not just going to ditch us. They really do care. It's just that they care about a lot of things at once. And that's what can kind of get in the way of accessibility. And there is that secrecy. That's another big, if they were more communicative and, uh, you know, by the way, there's going to be a problem with this if you upgrade. So, you know, if they, if they were a little more thoughtful about that, it would be better. I think. Now, do you have your updates set to automatic or not? Yes, I generally uh, for for uh, iOS uh, operating system, I I don't because I right. I like to hear what's happening first. Uh, for apps, I typically do. Um, you know, if I hear that there's trouble coming, I might turn it off. And uh, but yeah. really, it's I find in most circumstances, it's better to have the latest apps. Uh, there are every like in my case, there there have been of course a couple of times when I've really been dinged badly by that, but they've have- been far outweighed by the times that I've been thankful that I have the latest updates. Mm-hmm. Right. Mr. Michael Fair, I want to thank you very much for um, allowing me to have a very enjoyable two hours, aside from the couple of minutes that I got to rest without wanting to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I truly have enjoyed having you on, my friend, and thank you so much for spending this amount of time with us. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I hope everyone enjoys the guide and, and finds some fun. That's very important. Find fun to do with your iPhone. Find, find yep. things you really want to do, and that'll help you master it much quicker. So that's michael.fair, F-E-I-R, at gmail.com, or Google Michael Fair, and pretty soon you'll come to a link that will take you directly to his blog spot, and that will that will pretty soon take you to the second edition of uh, of his iPhone guide. And the title of that iPhone guide again it is "Personal Power: Getting the Most from iOS as a Totally Blind User." Nice, Michael, sir. Thank you so much.
Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yep. And next week, we're going to have fun because we will be joining Tuesday Topics with the Resolutions Committee, who is required to have some open meetings. One of the interesting things that's going to happen during next week is we are going to have, without really intending to, dueling resolutions. There is a resolution that was proposed by the Braille Revival League uh, that asked people to stop uh, capitalizing Braille all the time. We, we think Braille is a, a medium of communication, not a language. But there is another entity within ACB uh, that has published a resolution that says Braille is so important, we should capitalize it all the time. So we'll see what happens to the dueling resolutions. In the meantime, you guys are what make this program as effective as it is. Thank you for joining me, and thanks for your participation. Good night. <laughs>